This is the Pingdom Podcast for August 10, 2012. Welcome back to the Pingdom Podcast. We've been off uh, off air for quite a while um, due to vacations and and other reasons. I am joined uh, again, as always, by Nikolai Soling. He's the Director of Technology Services at uh, Help AG in Dubai. And you're actually um, back home in Denmark for a while. Uh, is that right, Nikolai? Yes, I, I managed to escape the heat a bit. Um, you know, the last two months, it's the average temperature, I would have said, is in the high 40s. And about a week ago, it was 54 degrees in, in Dubai. So, wow. you know, I was really looking forward to coming back home to Denmark, where, you know, you can see clouds in the sky and uh, you a don't have to... Bit, a little bit of green grass and... You don't have to worry about melting when you get outside. Uh, <laughs> No, nice. it's it's quite a difference, isn't it? Uh, we uh, I think it's about four weeks or so we've uh, missed out on on uh, recording, as I said, for different reasons. So um, we we have some good show ideas coming up, and we're going to try to stick to a, a theme or one topic that we focus on for each show going forward. But um, since this is the first one in quite a while, we have um, quite a list of different things that have been happening that we wanted to talk about. So this will be kind of a, a catch up show. Um, in different ways so it'll be a mix of different things and as always if if you listening to this have any ideas or suggestions for what we should cover or talk about or indeed if you want to come on and talk to us about um, security issues uh, let us know you can do it through pingdom.com there's all different kinds of contact information there that's um, where you find the royal pingdom.com blog as well Um, and there's also if you go to find the podcast um um, articles, then you also find the contact information for Nikolai, so you can get in touch with either party. Um, works just as well. So the first thing that we picked out for, to talk about today is, is a topic that we seem to be coming back to pretty much every show in, in one way or another, and it's um, uh, passwords. And we've talked about this uh, many times before. There's been several um, kind of leaks of uh, information, um, database information with usernames and passwords from various organizations. And it's actually been a few different people who've been uh, going through these databases, uh, uh, this these amounts of data and, and trying to see what common passwords and, and other kinds of links between different things that, that you can see. And we'll put this up in the show notes, but here's one guy called Luke who's um, uh, he's quoted a number of sources. And uh, the, it seems like the most common password uh, between a lot of different uh, websites is 123456. Um, which obviously is not very good. So th- does this give a, um, a representative, a true picture of how we act as users online, do you think, Nikolai? I, I think absolutely, because if you look at the sources of, of, of this specific kind of statistics, right, so the top three passwords from 32 million passwords that was leaked from the site called rockyou.com, which had a massive uh, data breach uh, early on, um, you know, the top three passwords was one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> you need to think about which kind of websites are this, right? But then you could say some stuff that where people would be more worried about, right, is uh, something like Twitter, and they see exactly the same thing. So uh, at Twitter, right, uh, 58,000 leaked password, the top three passwords were one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then 10, 20, 30. So it, it does say something about how poor our 
uh, users, uh, they are creating their passwords and the password policy they have. Um, and, you know, it comes comes back to the whole discussion that we had earlier on is that, you know, you need to make sure the passwords are unique. You need to make sure that they're not easy from a dictionary attack perspective. That means that if it's if it's known data that in there, that it's not something that we can just load a database and loading a database of, you know, normal uh, numeric numbers is very, very easy. So, uh, you know, they're quite poor passwords, that's for sure. Um, yeah, that's a good point worth making because also in in this article uh, it says that and, and to me this is almost more worrying two-thirds of people with leaked accounts at both sony and gawker reuse their passwords on both sites so it's not just that we 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 pick poor passwords we reuse the poor passwords uh, across sites and then obviously if we use the same email address too there's uh, there's a link between them absolutely but I, I have to say that it's not only about reusing poor passwords also people who has found a good password if they reuse that yeah. the database of companies where you use those passwords if they are lost right you also lose your password for the other websites and that's what everyone needs to think about which is why a unique password is always a good idea yeah. i use just for you know people often ask me how do you keep track of your password right and I use a, a small application on my machine called KeePass, which is a small application which creates an encrypted file. And that encrypted file I then store in my uh, uh, online uh, network storage uh, from uh, from one of the, the the companies like Dropbox or SugarSync or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Store that specific file there. And that file then has a very strong password for me to enter it. Um, and this means that I never, I never actually remember my passwords. I just know where I can store them in a secure way, and then I access that specific file when I need to get access to it. Sure, and I I do a similar thing. I use one password, um, which you have, you pay a little bit of money for, um, and that has a, there is a client for which I have on my iPhone and on my iPad as well, and exactly. it's, it syncs. I think through Dropbox, I think it's set up. It syncs that file, so I have access to all those to all, all those logins and stuff from. Again, iPhone, iPad, or Mac—that that works very well for me. Um, but I think it's probably worth pointing out that you need to find a solution that you're comfortable with because it, it's going to be something that you work with, that you use uh, many times a day, for, at least for most of us. So it needs to be something that's, that's, in a way, as transparent as it can be. Because if it's too cumbersome and if it becomes too much copy-paste and those kinds of things, it becomes. Uh, too bothersome, and then we won't use it as we 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 should probably be using it. I think that's that's absolutely true. Um, what I also do is because I'm also a lazy person like everyone else, right? I create unique passwords, and when I log into a website, I do allow my browser to save my password on those on certain websites where I don't feel that my identity. You know, if someone were to steal my laptop, what I would do is I would go in and I would remember those those websites and I would just go in and change the password there. Yeah. It doesn't matter for me if if, if someone would gain access to that specific website. Uh, but um, what's very key to point, point out is that that password that I use on that website is just unique for that specific website and not reused in any other applications uh, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you also, uh, it's kind of a, a, a tangent, but in, in most browsers, there's a, they're called different things, but I'm looking at Chrome right now. It, it, it has an 
incognito window or mode, and there's a privacy mode, I think, in Safari. Yes. And, and these are modes in web browsers where it, it doesn't save any cookies or passwords or anything from your browsing session. So that's something that you use as well. You go into a privacy mode for, for certain things or for certain sites. Well, I think, you know, privacy mode is quite often called the X-rated mode, right? Because that's where people go and look at X-rated content. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, privacy mode, it's one of those things where you have to still remember that because you go into incognito mode, it doesn't mean that you're not leaving your footprint on those websites. Sure. Just that you're not storing anything from those websites on yeah. your on your browser. Um, I typically use it if I uh, do not want that website to to leave like tracking cookies. Uh, so, um, one of the things where tracking cookies might be used is for. Um, Let's say if you go into online, uh, online, online purchasing and stuff like that, and and you log into a website and all of a sudden it comes up with a lot of commercials on cars, and that's because you just went to the Ford website and on Ford website they identified that you're looking at a new car. So when you go into eBay afterward, it tells you all about these new accessories you can buy for a Ford, and uh, you know I think it's more philosophy than it's actually. Uh, 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 from a security perspective mm. issue, but I don't like uh, the companies to, or sorry, the websites to get this, that kind of information for me. Sure. So sometimes I, I do, do turn on the incognito uh, feature. Something to remember if you're if you're on a shared computer, though, and uh, especially if you go to, you know, internet cafe or something. Then, and even if you're not doing anything, you know, quote unquote bad or even personal stuff, it might, might not be a bad idea to turn that on. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. That's where you have a very good point, right? When you are on an internet cafe, absolutely. You know, uh, that's where you should always do something like that. All right. Let's move on. We have an article. Um, by yourself, uh, pretty much, or with featuring yourself, at least. Uh, companies failing to control bandwidth usage, and it's a study that you guys were a part of, uh, if I understand it right, looking at bandwidth usage um, in companies and what is bandwidth actually used for. And um, it seems like you're coming up, you're, you're saying that uh, a lot of companies are not really controlling what their users are doing with the bandwidth at work. Yes, absolutely. So um, actually, this is together with a company called Palo Alto Networks, where, which we work uh, with. It's one of the vendor um, hardware vendors that delivers some technical solutions that help APU we, we sell. And uh, what they do is that, as part of their uh, as part of of, of, uh, of their solution, we can get some statistical information from those devices. And if our customers agrees with it when they test out these applications applications, we will actually send that statistical information completely anonymous, and that goes into a large pool of data, which is then allowing Palo Alto Networks to generate a report on uh, which kind of traffic types has been seen through their solutions. And they have mm -hmm. that all over the world, and they get, I think the last quarter, they got more than 2,000 different kind of enterprise organizations, which added information into this specific survey. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things that they saw, if you're looking at the amount of bandwidth that's being used uh, on something like video, for instance, it was in average 13% of the bandwidth utilized in a company was just down to streaming video on the Internet. Mm. Um, and that's wow. really an explosion compared to what we've, we've seen before. We're, we're seeing something like 
uh, an increase uh, year over year of almost uh, 300% for video and peer-to-peer by 700%. So that's bandwidth utilization of those different kind of applications. And of course, the whole reason why why this is this is being so dramatically increasing is because most companies today they are not controlling their bandwidth, so there's no decisions made on a company level if they should allow uh, YouTube uh, uh, or peer-to-peer traffic, and many companies do not even have the technical capability to control these applications because mm-hmm. what happened with video websites with peer-to-peer applications and all of these things is that they've been becoming increasingly difficult for firewalls, uh, content uh, control solutions and all of that um, to be able to detect, visualize, and therefore allow allowing the companies to control it. Um, so that's a key a key issue for, for companies. Mm-hmm. Very good example is that I have a university that I work closely with and uh, you know, over the last couple of years, they've gone from a 100 megabit connection to a one gig connection of internet bandwidth. And in the Middle East, where I'm, I'm working, this is hugely expensive. We're talking the price of a small castle, right, that they pay for their internet connection per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they're looking at inter- uh, sorry, um, um, going to 10 gig instead of just one gig. And I asked them recently, well, why do you need to upgrade so much? And they said... We have one application which is sucking up all bandwidth we're, we're throwing at the users, and that's that's video. And they said, the minute we give them more bandwidth, it's used two weeks out. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to they're trying to just uh, uh, they're trying to fix a major major artery uh, uh, failure on a body right by putting a small bandaid on it. Yeah. Right, it's, you know, there's nothing for them to plug the hole right now. Um, and that's a, a key concern for many, many uh, organizations today. So what are the security implications of this then? I, I can understand peer-to-peer networking, okay, when we're talking things like BitTorrent, you download the legal software and then there might be malware inside of those files, but are there other kind of security implications of, of this, not controlling the uh, bandwidth? Well, I wouldn't say for, for, for video applications, I wouldn't say that there's a major issue there. Um, but if you're looking at something like, um, like uh, because of video content is, you know, it's if 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 you go to YouTube and these kind of places, then video applications there, they're fairly secure, right? It's just content that you're seeing. Yeah. So it's not so much about security; it's more about are you doing the right thing during your workday? If a person is spending, I don't know, four or five gigabytes of data every single day and watching YouTube. It takes time to watch five gigabytes of data. On, <laughs> yeah. You need to look at that specific stream for a certain amount of time. Um, if you're just listening to internet radio while you're working, and that's a part of your normal pattern of uh, of, of working, right? I'm I'm the first person in the world who will put on my my headset while I'm sitting and writing something, and then I'll listen to my favorite track sure. uh, on on Spotify or one of the other great services which I unfortunately can only use when I'm at home. <laughs> um, then, uh, you know, yes, I also use bandwidth, but maybe it's not a concern for the company because I'm still productive at the same time. So that's also why you need to then which kind of streaming services that the user is, is using. 
I'm thinking also that there must be it's, this must be not just a technical issue. You, you need to be able to in the company or the organization, you need to be able to to see what uh, bandwidth is being used and who's using it, maybe. But surely there, this must also this is also very much a kind of a policy issue um, because it seems to me like you, you don't want to take you want to be careful about not this taking this too far either and just saying you know no one's going to watch video no one's going to listen to anything no one's going to download stuff because then you run the risk of not very happy employees too when, when, when you're being too restrictive yes in a sense you know there's there's, a, there's an old saying about companies right is that the minute that you that you limit the quality on your coffee right you will get a certain number of people who's leaving the company. So yeah. let's say that you go from a premium blend coffee to a cheaper blend coffee, right? That's actually going to affect people's, you know, it sounds stupid, right? But it's actually going to be, to, to affect uh, the satisfaction level of your employees, right? Yeah. And today, the internet is becoming the new premium blend coffee, right? So <laughs> yeah. if you increase people's ability to access those kind of services, right? They're also going to be unhappy because it's a part of their life. Yeah. Specifically, the generation that, you know, I'm probably just a bit older than that generation, but the generation that's coming into the work field now, um, you know, they've been they've been brought up with Facebook and these kind of applications. They've been brought up always being connected to their friends and family over these kind of social media applications. If you take that away 10 hours or 8 hours a day for them, it's actually going to be a major issue for them. And yeah. that ultimately might mean that they're going to say, you know what, I'm not going to work for this company. So it's a hair-thin line where you need to try to, let's say, at least adjust the behavior of the employee without making them unhappy. And then, of course, one of the key points for any kind of company is to make sure that these kind of applications are not uh, uh, impacting our business applications. Because when we move to cloud services, which everyone is trying to do right now, uh, then you have the other problem is that those cloud services are also using your internet bandwidth. And if you're using salesforce.com and someone is using youtube.com, you want to make sure that salesforce.com or the access to salesforce.com does not get impacted by someone uh, trying to uh, download a big video from YouTube. Um, so that's the other part that you try to make sure that your business applications are not being impacted. And you mentioned the uh, kind of the, the the word of the hour or the year or the decade maybe cloud, which brings us to um, um, another um, article or a set of articles actually on on similar topics. Um, the guy um, who created um, Secure Shell SSH, which a lot of listeners are using probably right now, SSH um, connecting into something securely to a server or whatever it might be. Um, the, the there's a link, there's an article, a very interesting article, an interview with him, actually, uh, about all different kinds of things. But one, one thing that kind of caught our attention was he's being asked, uh, in the first question to him, actually, he's being asked, do you think the world's security is better now or worse? And his answer is, I think it's getting worse. Consumer privacy, especially, he says, is disappearing totally. Um, so this is a guy who's uh, he's written a piece of software, SSH, which is used by thousands, if not millions of users on a daily basis. Lots of companies rely on this for secure communication. And he is not very positive, to say the least, about what's happening in terms of security and especially privacy, we should say. Yes. And I think 
actually um, his 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 name is Tato Yulonen. Uh, I hope I'm I'm saying it correct. Uh, he's a Finnish gentleman. Uh, quite interestingly, a lot of people who's you know done some of the let's say major applications on on security is actually Finns. So you have uh, Linus Torvalds, which which invented the Linux operating system. You have Tato who did SSH, and there's a, there's a number of other gentlemen who, who've been very significant in technology breakthroughs. Um, yeah. I, I did an interview for our uh, our Royal Pingdom blog a while ago with the, the guy who wrote IRC, and it's Finnish as well. Exactly, exactly. So there's, there's definitely some gentlemen who's been who's been very, very significant in, the, uh, in some of the services that we're using today. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, it was the Finns who invented Angry Bird as, as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so uh, an Angry Bird used to have Swedish flags on them, so uh, that was the first release that came out. So, Ah, of fighting between Finns and Sweden. Uh, So um, now we're getting off track. (laughs) Track. (laughs) The um, the uh, privacy concerns from these gentlemen, right, is very very key. uh, Key. So. We're always going to have technical security issues like patches and software, all of these things, malwares, viruses. We've had that since the day the computer was born, more or less. What was quite key is that in our eager to try to fix some of these things and try to fix some of the security issues in general in the world, it's now affecting our privacy levels. Uh, so that means that the the uh, way that we can we can expect that our data is not going to be breached and it's not going to be looked into by typically by organizations um, specifically with cloud services coming out where we do not lo- no longer store our data locally but we now put our pictures in dropbox we put it in face in facebook in google drive and all of these different kind of things the user when using these kind of services is also signing off some of the privacy associated to that data so For instance, in the U.S., they have something called the Patriot Act. If the American government thinks that you're doing something which is of of, uh, national security interest, they can gain access to your data by talking to those companies. Mm -hmm. Since most of the cloud service today, like Dropbox, you have uh, Facebook, uh, Google, whatever, uh, Amazon, uh, uh, all of these things are all American companies. They are governed under the Patriot Act, so that means that if you have your data there and the American government thinks that you're doing something which is of of national security interest, they can gain access to that specific information, so your privacy is gone. Um, And and that's, of course, quite interesting. Um, So so that means, then, that if you're looking at uh, online services, cloud services, you should actually care about where are they physically hosted. I mean, technically, it doesn't really matter, and that's kind of the point of it as well. But you, should you really care? Is it a point um, that you should look into before signing up um, to to look at where your data physically will be hosted in what country in what part of the world? Yeah, well, it's it's unfortunately a complete, complete gray zone. So even if an American company they have a data center outside the U.S., they as a company is still governed under. Um, under the specific legislation in the U.S. So, you know, depending on how the law is read, so how it, it's, it's being implemented, let's put it that way, it might go either way. It might be that, that still there would be that kind of, of access to the information. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because probably our legislation has not really kept up with the 
a new technology that's coming out. Think about it. Facebook, it's a phenomenon that's four or five years old, right? And our legislation associated to social media is still almost non-existent. So and can you really apply laws that we maybe created 50 years or 100 years ago uh, to, um, to something like social media? So, um, you know, it's always a, a race about legislation and the technology to, to keep up with each other. Yeah. Look at Asia. They don't have any kind of copyright, copyright laws for most Asian countries, which is why the likes of Download.com, which, sorry, not Download, what was it called? Um, um, uh, rapid share, file share, and all of these kind of, of file sharing services are all based in, in Hong Kong. Mm. Because there, they're not going to have an issue with the, with the, uh, with the um, um, uh, government. Uh, yeah. uh, if they hosted that service in the U.S., they would have been closed down within the within a heartbeat because there's there's very very strong anti-piracy laws there, so you need to think about that as a user. And right now, I have to say that the only right way as a as an as a as a user on the internet to think is to think that no matter where you host your data uh, in a cloud service, you're also signing off some of your privacy. So whatever you decide to host out there, you should be okay with that being looked into. Yeah. And this might brings us to another article on 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 that very topic. Uh, Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, said, um, I think this was uh, just last week, very recently. He he spoke after um, uh, he spoke publicly at, at after some kind of event, and he said, I'm I'm quoting from an article here. I really worry about everything going into the cloud. He says, I think it's going to be horrendous. I think there are going to be a lot of horrible problems in the next five years. With the cloud, you don't own anything, and this is on, on the, the kind of line of um, um, that we've been talking about. Uh, he continues, you already signed it away. The more we transfer everything onto the web, onto the cloud, the less we're going to have control over it, which is kind of w what you were talking about. Absolutely. You know, companies today, uh, a good example is something like, um, you know, I like Salesforce.com. We use it, and it's, it's a fantastic tool for a company. It's basically a customer relationship management system, right? If I decide to send Facebook out on the um, uh, to to use uh, sorry use uh, Salesforce.com, what's going to happen is that uh, uh, I start putting all of my intelligence into that specific cloud service. If I ever want to move away from that, more or less impossible for me because there's no defined data format that I I receive my my data back from. So that means that I don't own that data that's being put out there anymore because I do not have the ability to move it somewhere else anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, of course, a key point. It's not so much the technology behind it, right? We have all been upgrading the Internet capacity to be able to to handle the cloud and handle the access that we need for, for using the cloud. But, uh, you know, the data, the privacy associated to the cloud and and leakage of data in the cloud, that's going to be very, very key concerns for anyone to fix in the future. And I think also a major reason why clouds are ultimately not going to be uh, as successful as it's being, or sorry, as hyped as it's being right now, because there will be a certain point of time where organizations and individuals will have to say stop because they cannot accept the, uh, the issues uh, associated to cloud in the future. 
Yeah, cloud is a big issue, and I'm sure we'll we'll come back to it many times over to to talk about various aspects of it. I think we'll put an end to it there for now. We've we've covered four or five different topics, and um, time is kind of running away from us. Sure. Um, we 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 don't seem to have much of a problem filling up time. That leaves a number of of articles and topics that we didn't get to. Maybe we can move them to to next show. Hopefully next week. And we'll also, as I said in the beginning, we'll try to come back to this idea of a, of a main topic each time. And again, if you if you want to send us some feedback, royalpingdom.com, you'll find the show notes, you'll find contact information for Nikolai. So send him uh, a tweet if, if you like, or send us a tweet, um, Pingdom, on, on Twitter, or go to our Facebook page, you can do that as well. So many, many different ways of getting in touch with us, and we will be back uh, soon again with another show. Thanks very much, Nikolai. You're welcome. Take care. Alrighty, Good. that's it. So I'll go and edit a little bit of the beginning. And sure. <laughs> that'll be it. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can get back on track with yes. a, bit, a bit more regular and frequent. Um, so have a, have a think about uh, what we can do for next show. The the one thing which is still in the show notes from earlier was this, how a button, uh, botnet is taken down. I think, right, we can get FireEye to talk about how a botnet is taken down. And then we can get Palo Alto. I have access to the Palo Alto product line manager for uh, antivirus, sorry, for the virus engine. So okay. more about how do we you handle a virus, right? So um, we just need to find a time where, where we can bring him into the show. Sure. And, and as I've said before, I'm usually pretty flexible if I, if I know just a little bit in advance. So, so I'll try, try to talk to him and then I'll see if we can get that on the, maybe the next show, if, if he's available or at least get it sorted out so that we get a... a a setting for it, right? Okay, very good. Good. Have a good week. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye.